Well, oh my God, what a horrendous week. Uh, I'm not even sure where to start, so I guess I'm just going to dodge the question for now and say I'm really excited about the conversation I get to bring you today. Many Central Ohioans undoubtedly know Paige Southwick Flager, who's brought us some really fantastic reporting from WOSU over the past few years. Paige has covered a wide range of issues, including many in the health and healthcare space, but also in science and criminal justice, but always with an attentiveness to health and the humanity that underpins it. Many listeners may know that Paige has announced that she's leaving us here in Ohio and moving on to WPLN in Nashville. It's a huge loss for us in Ohio, so I thought it'd be nice to give Paige the send-off she deserves. This is Prognosis Ohio. I'm your host, Dan Skinner. As always, before turning to my conversation with Paige Flager, I'd like to remind you to share your ideas for show themes and interviews by emailing us at prognosisohio at gmail.com. Also, check out our website at prognosisohio.com. While you're there, please consider becoming a patron for just $3 a month, which, if you commit to six months, gets you a spiffy Prognosis Ohio t-shirt as a token of our thanks. We hope you can appreciate our decision to using Patreon. Instead of jamming lots of boring commercials into the episodes, you really don't want to hear me sell underwear or cannabis products anyway, right? You can support the show by visiting patreon.com slash prognosisohio to chip in $3 a month. That's patreon.com slash prognosisohio. And thanks. Paige Flager is now formerly a reporter at WOSU News, that other NPR, non-WCBE station here in Central Ohio. In 2019, she was voted Ohio's Associated Press Reporter of the Year at Ohio's Rising Star. Her star rose so fast, in fact, that it landed her a new gig, which she begins in just a few weeks as the first arts, culture, and music reporter at WPLN in Nashville, Tennessee. Before joining the staff at WOSU, Paige worked in the newsrooms of NPR, Vox, Michigan Radio, WHYY, and The Tennessean. She spent three years in Philadelphia covering health, science, and gender, and her work has appeared nationally in The Washington Post, Marketplace, PRI as The World, Atlas Obscura, and more. In Paige's free time, she makes music as Southwick with Shamir Bailey for Accidental Popstar Records. I'll be sharing a bit of that music after the episode and linking to it in the show notes. Okay, here's my conversation, my Ohio exit interview, if you will, with Paige Flager. Hey, Paige, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. So I have to admit, you know, it kind of sucks that I'm, I'm meeting you just as you're leaving Ohio. Um, <laughs> I've been reading you for a while now, though, so uh, it's, it's really nice having you here. So many people in Ohio, myself included, are sad to see you go. You were voted Ohio's Associated Press Reporter of the Year, Ohio's Rising Star, and your Twitter feed is kind of filled with all sorts of people, a lot of them who've been on this show, um, saying, you know, that they were really grateful for the work you've done here. So yeah. I just... <laughs> really, I am glad to have a chance to kind of, um, you know, I don't know if WSU does exit interviews, but I thought, hey, that could be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I was really, um, I was truly blown away by the reaction to me saying that I was leaving. I think it, when you're a reporter and you really prize yourself on on being connected with the community, um, I think at nighttime, you have that like doubt that creeps in where you're like, do I have like an overinflated ego? <laughs> um, and I think seeing everybody saying how much they were going to miss me, um, it meant the world to me. 
Yeah, it's always hard to gauge, especially right now where we're all so secluded, whether anything we're doing is mattering. I wonder about the <laughs> podcast sometimes. Like I get numbers and a few things here and there, but like, you know, we don't reach out enough and say, hey, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like we're shouting into the void uh, most of the time. So. <laughs> so let me ask you, you know, how, how are you reflecting on this change? You're going to be going to Nashville to be uh, to, still in the NPR world and, and working there. But how are you reflecting kind of on your time in Ohio um, and, and processing all of this? I'm guessing, I mean, it's a very exciting thing. We're trying to be classy and just to be happy for you. Not, <laughs> <know>, vengeful. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty, I mean, it's overwhelming. This, this is kind of a... a sad consequence of um, kind of what journalism looks like these days. Uh, so I'm 27 and I've moved to five different cities in the last six years. Um, and so we oftentimes, because NPR stations are so small, um, you, in order to kind of move up or move on, you you have to go somewhere else. So it's it's definitely always really bittersweet to to leave a community, especially I feel like here in Columbus, um, like I was saying, that connection with the community has been so overwhelming. And I feel like everybody's really opened their arms to me being here in the city and told me these stories that I've just been so privileged to to be privy to. So obviously the pandemic, you know, is the elephant in the room these days. <laughs> um, and and you've done a lot of great reporting on that. And by the way, we're going to be linking to uh, in our show notes to your website and to a whole bunch of your reporting to yeah. give readers a taste. But aside from the pandemic or in addition to the pandemic, what are some of the, the, the stories you've reported on that really stick in your head, things that you're going to take with you moving forward? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I think when I when I got here, I definitely wanted to focus a lot of my attention on addiction and the addiction crisis. Um, and I think it, it, it's looking back, it's funny how it kind of led me to covering criminal justice, um, it, which was something I never really anticipated I would, I would be reporting on. But I think I, as, as I was pulling the thread of addiction and um, some of the, the factors that, that contribute to addiction and some of the things that people are doing here in Ohio and central Ohio to, to combat addiction, um, I realized that there was kind of this other side to it where we are incarcerating a lot of people who have addiction um, as opposed to treating it like a disease. We've been treating it like a crime for for decades. And so um, I think I've, I've grown really passionate about covering just the different ways that the criminal justice system, the court system, different judges um, have been kind of approaching uh, really a sea change is the way I see it in, in the way that we view addiction and the way that we treat people who are struggling with it. Um, so it's kind of been, those are the worlds that I've really ended up focusing a lot of my, my coverage on. Yeah, it's been one of the running commentaries, I think, on this show, um, and appropriately so, which is almost every area of policy right now is in some way health policy. I mean, you mentioned criminal mm -hmm. justice. We've talked about the opioid crisis. Um, you talk about what's going on in the schools right now. I mean, educational policy is so wrapped up in you know epidemiology and all these things that you can't really isolate these distinct domains. I look at your mm -hmm. reporting. You know, you report on science, but 
so many of your science stories are health stories in some way and technology is the same thing to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think especially with the pandemic, um, obviously, and just kind of reporting on addiction and criminal justice, um, I, you can't report on those things without concentrating the majority of your time on disparities and all of the different disparities that exist within our society, whether it be uh, infant mortality or addiction outcomes, whether it be uh, incarceration, or if people are given a chance to go into treatment instead, who has access to that treatment. Um, so I think that that's kind of been the lens that I've really tried to approach my my work through. And. And great reporters, you know, learn, and I mean, great people learn, right? <laughs> In general. Yeah. Uh, so, so, what do you think? You know, you you're from Michigan. You are, you know, spent some time in Ohio. Now you're heading to Nashville. You're kind of moving south in a steady. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what do you think you've learned about healthcare journalism during this time? Is it just mm-hmm. that the tentacles kind of go everywhere? Were there experiences in your last few years where you kind of learned a new skill as a healthcare journalist or realized you had to be asking certain questions to the, get to the kind of heart of the matter? Mm, yeah, I think actually a lot of my kind of foundation in the way that I like to approach my reporting is from, um, I, I had a, a slight detour onto the uh, East Coast for a period of time. So I lived in Philadelphia and in D.C., And when I was in Philly, um, I worked at WHYY and I worked on a podcast, which is called The Pulse. Um, And it's a health and science podcast, but um, they they really focus on kind of the human aspect of of health and science. Um, And I think the the biggest thing that I've learned, and I don't think it's necessarily just health care journalism, I think it's any kind of journalism, it's just I I feel like the, the most important thing to me is to approach every story with a lot of empathy. Um, I think that journalism is constantly an act of empathy, but oftentimes people are opening up to me about the worst thing that has ever happened to them. Um, And so trying to really truly be a human first um, and be respectful of people and the things that they're going through um, and a journalist second, uh, I think that that has really been a, a core tenant of the way that I want to approach my journalism. Um, and that's something that I really, I think I got a crash course in that being here in central Ohio and reporting on addiction specifically, just some of the things that people have talked to me about. It's, it's so hard to hear and uh, it's hard for me to hear it, but I'm sure it's, it's 10,000 times more difficult for them to say it. So I think really just making sure that people uh, that I'm, I'm reporting on people with dignity and that when they share their stories with me, that I make sure that I present them in a, a really dignified way um, that, that makes them feel proud of being able to kind of share, share that with me. Right. Yeah. There's so much nastiness and we yes. saw a lot of stigma. I mean, literally stigma is one of the critical pieces that we need to address to solve the problem of addiction. Yes. And stigma happens, you know, it can happen through the media. Obviously, social media is just like caked with stigma. And, you know, uh, it is challenging and a, a core role of journalists. And I think all, you know, um, well-meaning, uh, <laughs> sentient people who care <laughs> to uh, do their part to not participate in that and to actively combat it. And I've noticed that about your journalism. I mean, 
great health journalism foregrounds people's words and their perspectives and also kind of battles back against um, just the stereotypes. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, I think that the best journalists are um, really humble. Um, And by that, I just mean like always, I I feel like I, I am always willing to admit, like, I am not the expert on this. And there is definitely the possibility as much as I try to avoid it, that I will say or do the wrong thing. And when I do that, please just call me out on it. Um, And I've definitely, I mean, an example that comes to mind is like in some of my early reporting on addiction, um, I was doing a story about Columbus's needle exchange program, um, Safe Point. And when I was doing that story, I, I think we included kind of one of those generic stock photos of needles. And um, we put up the story and then someone from from Safe Point, which is run by Equitas Health, they reached out to me and they were like, hey, like we really try to encourage people not to just use photos of needles because it can be really stigmatizing. And like you're talking about addiction, you're talking about people, you're not talking about kind of these inanimate objects that people have a really negative connotation to. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And I think I really feel like the best journalists, journalists that I really admire are always willing to be like, yeah, that was not good. And I I will always be learning. Um, And that's, I think, one of my favorite parts about this career is like, we have access to the best of the best in in all of these different fields. Like I get to interview the head of Ohio State's hospital and uh, crack jokes about how I went to University of Michigan. Um, so it's we we get to to talk to all these folks, and I think really just being like walking into the situation with your palms up and saying, "Hey, I know that that you know more than me." So please guide me, please make sure that, that I'm using the proper language and that I'm presenting things in, in the way that they really should be. It's funny that you say that about the imagery. You know, um, I co-edited a book um, on the opioid crisis here in Ohio. And when we were working on the front cover, you know, they kept coming back to us with just what you described. But once we, you know, we, we resolved that, um, but you can't control the media piece of what happened with coverage for the book. We held these events and, mm-hmm. and also you as a journalist, I mean, I hope the listeners know, and, but correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, journalists, a lot of times can't control these things either. The, 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 the outfits they work for put images in, or even in the headlines is another one where that would happen. And, and sometimes that's out of the control of the people actually writing the articles. But I would say almost every article that was written about the book we were working on and, and, and publicizing they just put some stock pictures of a pile of pills or a need or needles sitting there with I don't know some loose change or something, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it. We can. I'll talk about ethics all day long, um, but I think there are just so many. Um, there, there, there are so many ways in which I think the media just sometimes is so disconnected from the people that they're reporting on that oftentimes the coverage kind of reflects that. And it, it, it shows uh, these things that are, are not necessarily representative of, of the people who we're talking about, you know? And so, like I was saying, that humility is just, I think, the most important thing. The empathy and the humility to admit, like, yeah, I got that wrong or I could have said that better. 
I'll also add, though, I mean, you've been here in Ohio during a time of tremendous change within journalism and health journalism has been a subject. I mean, the plane dealer is getting slashed, the vindicator is gone, the dispatch is dwindling in its ranks. The media landscape is shifting. And we have, you know, Matter News is now here and we have the Ohio Capital Journal. So you have these new kind of uh, digital um, uh, outlets that are doing this really amazing work in addition to places like WOSU, Mm -hmm. or I have to mention since this podcast is affiliated with (laughs) the other station, WCBE. You know, I mean, uh, th- those stations continue to do what they do, but the media landscape has really been changing right under that, which means that they have fewer people mm-hmm. to get things right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think that there is, this is something that kind of media just more broadly really struggles with is oftentimes you do have old school editors and then a newsroom full of like really young, really scrappy and typically more progressive reporters. Um, and I think- like what you were saying earlier, it, some decisions are out of our hands, right? Um, I think it is the responsibility and kind of the duty of reporters everywhere. Um, and it it doesn't make you popular with your editor, perhaps, but um, to push back when you feel as though you are not doing uh, a subject the proper dignity that it deserves. And like I said, it doesn't always make you popular, but I I do think that like you said, things things are really changing. Um, and even when it comes to the way that our court system is seeing addiction or things like that, I think people people are slowly becoming more co- progressive. Um, I always like to say when when I was an intern at NPR in 2015, um, there this was I you weren't allowed to go to Pride. If you were a journalist, you wouldn't be able to go and march in a Pride parade. Um, And then in 2015, when uh, Obergefell versus Hodges passed in the Supreme Court um, and gay marriage was legalized, um, all of a sudden it became okay for journalists to go and participate in pride parades. And so that needle is always changing and shifting. And the idea of what we see as objective is always moving and changing. And I think, like I was saying, that humility of being able to be like, hey, maybe I'm not the expert at this anymore. And maybe my idea of objectivity was uh, founded back in the 80s when the majority of my newsroom were white men. Um, And so I think, I really do feel like as a young reporter, um, that it, it is our job to say, hey, like we should be allowed to use they, them pronouns because that's how somebody identifies. Um, so there are just a lot of things where I think I've, I've become a, a thorn in people's sides, but I, I don't for a second regret doing that, you know? Well, that's that's the whole good trouble thing. We need more <laughs> yeah. thorns and more sides. I was recently called a provocateur by an administrator, yes. which, I, which I took as a, you know, a real uh, badge of honor. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And I think, I mean, being a woman, I, I think oftentimes I am called difficult, where if a man were to do the same thing, um, I think oftentimes he would be praised for kind of standing up for his beliefs. So right. I think, uh, yeah, I, I've never shied away from, from a fight, for sure. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're going to bring that with you uh, to your, your next joint.
So you mentioned connection with the community, and this is something I just wanted to talk about for a few minutes. Uh, you know, I train medical students, and when they go off to residency, a lot of them relocate, they go to new places. And one of the things that I try to convince them to do is to spend a little time doing the homework on the place they're going. Uh, in the case of, uh, you know, a hospital, let's say in Indianapolis or um, Finley or wherever you, you're going, you know, you can look at maps, you can look at demographics, you can look at data and really get a sense of what you're heading into. You've spent a couple of years getting to know this place, getting mm-hmm. to know Ohio, um, and now you're kind of starting over, I, I think, <laughs> in, in, to some degree. Yeah. You know, how do you, as a journalist who cares about the community and cares about, you know, health and the various social determinants of health and these kinds of pieces that fit together, how do you prepare for that? And how do you start? How do you start to create those connections? Is it just, you know, chipping away one story at a time? <laughs> or do you actually sit down and do a little bit of a crash course as though you're preparing for something? Yeah, this keeps me up at night, for sure. Um, <laughs> this concept of like, you you go to a community and you kind of form Who are you? What, what, yeah. what do you know about us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that concept of, like you mentioned, like you can't really take it with you in a lot of ways. Um, and I think, I guess, to deviate a little bit from your question and just to say, like, I think the thing that I've been trying to tell myself is that by kind of building up a reputation in this community um, and, and to some extent nationally through NPR, I think I'm, I'm very hopeful that I'll be able to kind of take that community reputation with me wherever I go. Um, I hope that that's something that I maybe become kind of known for. Um, but yeah, I think I'm definitely an avid studier. So uh, sitting down and like memorizing demographic info and um, any any kind of data pieces that I can get my hands on. And then and then really, I think my favorite thing to do in order to kind of build that connection and to get to know people is just to to identify people who are really kind of leaders or in touch with different communities across the central Ohio area and just ask them if they want to get breakfast or go out for coffee or just kind of sit and chat for an hour or two. Or when you go out and do reporting um, and you have to gather tape, turning off the microphone afterwards and just having a conversation with people about like, what are some of the things that are going on in your community that you're concerned about? Or what are some of the kind of pitfalls that you feel like the media falls into when reporting on your community? And like, how can we avoid that? And just having those conversations, which they don't end up on the radio. Um, but at the end of the day, those I think that those connections and, and those uh kind of sit down sessions uh, yield to a lot more down the road. So something pops up and they're like, oh, I remember that person I had coffee with a couple months ago. Like maybe this is something I should call her and tell her about. And I think at the end of this kind of two and a half years of, of craziness, I feel like I've been super lucky just to have, I have so many people who just reach out to me on Instagram or on Twitter or through my email and just say like, hey, this thing's going on. Um, I don't know if it's something you'd be interested in, but like, do you, do you want to talk about it? And I've, I've come up with really, I mean, people have sent me amazing story ideas and 
things that are like national level scoops um, that have just been delivered directly to my inbox. So I think those things really do pay off in the long run, but it it is hard to to build up those connections and and it takes time and a lot of patience, I think. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking, what is this thing she's talking about sitting down for coffee? What is this thing she's talking about <laughs> yeah. sitting with a person and having yeah. <laughs> it's been so yeah. long? I don't know <laughs> how to do that process in the middle of a pandemic, to be fair. So that will be a learning curve. <laughs> yeah, is that compounding your 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 sort of thinking about yeah. your anxiety, sleepless nights, about how to connect? I mean, how do you connect during a pandemic yeah. to a new place? Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe a lot of virtual uh some zoom calls zoom right. zoom coffee dates i don't know but it'll it'll be difficult but i think i'm moving to a shop that already really has done a lot of work to be kind of connected to the community um yeah. and so i think that that will really help to to be part of that team so you're not only a journalist uh, who works with you know the, the written word but you're a photographer you're a musician and we are going to link to your website and it's just great it's great to see I think I think we all kind of long for this. There's so much over professionalism and, mm. and just worrying about whether people are, you know, narrowing themselves to be, you know, X, Y, or Z. But you know, when I look at who you are, um, at least through the lens of what you present to the website, you know, it's it's really nice to see somebody who contains multitudes. Let's say, you know, yeah. and <laughs> I wonder. I mean, is that going to be part of your your life in Nashville? I mean, it, I, I won't even make the joke about a musician moving to Nashville Music because it's City, so cliche. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I mean, I, I always, I do not take myself seriously. Um, and so I think, uh, I do take myself really seriously when it comes to journalism, but everything else I'm like, this is just something that I'm doing for fun. Um, or yeah, that's the old, you know, take your work seriously, but not yourself. And yes. I, I, I always think that that's not a bad rule of thumb. Yeah, definitely. So I think I, I'll definitely always do music. I also, uh, I do some art that is just like super goofy and ridiculous. Um, I don't know. So I think I, I just, I like to try and make sure that I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not just living for my work. Uh, so I think, I, I do take a lot of value personally from from the work that I get to do, but um, I, I love to to be able to do different things and connect to different communities. And I think it's actually um, funny that you bring it up because in my in my next role, I'll actually kind of be combining those two things um, by covering. I'll be covering the music industry and arts and culture um, down in Nashville. So it'll be kind of a fun uh, combo pack <laughs> of, of two things I'm really passionate about. That's really awesome. Well, we're going to miss you, but we'll, we'll keep reading you um, wherever you are. There's still, I mean, I, they have the internet down there. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, just promise us, you know, you'll uh, keep in touch at some point. And if you ever, you know, uh, find yourself writing about Ohio from a Tennessee perspective, you know, be kind. Uh, <laughs> Always. I've, I mean, I can't say enough about how much I've loved my time here. I think in a lot of ways, as a Michigander, we're trained from a very young age to hate Ohio, no matter what. Um, but I think I've been just so completely surprised and, and blown away by how much I've loved it here. Um, and just how grateful I am for everybody who who took the time to get to know me and to, to trust me with their stories. Well, f- thanks uh, you know, for letting us conduct the unofficial Cage Flager 
uh, exit interview. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> we'll stay in touch and we wish you well and happy moving. And um, <laughs> you're going to be doing amazing things down there. So we look forward to following it. Thanks so much, Dan. My thanks to Paige Flager for taking time to talk with us. We'll be posting lots of links to Paige's website, social media, and her music in our show notes at wcbe.org and prognosisohio.com. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by me, Dan Skinner, and produced by me and Mark France. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show and follow us on Twitter at at prognosisohio. As always, we encourage you to reach out via email or social media with your suggestions and your feedback. As I mentioned, we welcome ideas for important issues you'd like to hear us engage with on the show. And finally, we'd really appreciate your support through Patreon. Okay, that's it for now. Enjoy a bit of Paige's music, which she produces under the name Southwick. <laughs>